Welcome to the latest Center of Nation podcast. This is the Games 1 through 7 wrap-up, where we will be discussing uh, the record-breaking start for Austin Matthews, Morgan Riley, and the Red Hot Maple Leafs. Uh, as well, we'll continue to discuss the William Nylander contract negotiations and much, much more. As well, we'll have a special guest on, uh, Mike Dotto, who has been a great supporter of Synergy Nation and a dear friend of mine. Uh, so welcome again. So here we are, Center Station. It's Pat LaRusso, and we have Mike Dotto on, a very special guest. How's it going, Mike? I'm good, Pat. How's it been? It's going well, going well. You know, not as good as how are things going with our Leafs, but uh, going well. So what what has been your early take on the first seven games? Um, I- I'm excited. Uh, first most, like, I'm very excited to see this team finally, you know, you know, play some hockey, you know, some real hockey and playing together, and it's just – it's exciting to see how much fire firepower there actually is on this team. And uh, I think the, the one of the games that really stuck out to me was that, uh, that Dallas game. And when they kept scoring and you're just like, wow, this is just becoming stupid right now because this is, this is what our leaps have become since, you know, those dark days of Brian Burke <laughs> and before, right? Yeah, no, it's been a, it's been an interesting transition, even from last year's team to this year. Uh, you know, I know that there was, you know, some early concerns with, the loss of JVR and Tyler Bozak and, you know, even on the power play where the Leafs were going to get their production. But I don't, it doesn't even seem to think, like I, just based on my early, you know, just my, the first seven games anyways, it doesn't look like this team has even missed a beat at all with, you know, the addition of John Tavares and, and Matthews now on the first power play unit. But yeah, they've been firing on all cylinders. You know, it just, you know, it'd be kind of nice to, you know, get Nazem Kadri going. You know, I know Marlowe just got his first goal. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Lindholm got his first of his NHL career. So there's a lot of depth there. You know, Kapanen now is, you know, is tearing it up. But, uh, you know, there's still some people that, you know, could still, you know, offer up some further, uh, you know, some further offense. Well, you look at uh, you look at those first two lines, they're clicking, right? Like they look like they played together for years. And that's awesome to see, uh, especially when you plug in a player like Kapanen up there, right? Where Nylander's supposed to be. But, you know, originally it was Ennis. You know, he did well in the preseason, but I guess like the speed, even though he's a faster type guy, he just couldn't keep up or even finish. And yes. you have an extra guy in Kapanen, who's for me, one of my favorite players. When I, <clears throat> when I remember when they got him from Pittsburgh, I, 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 I knew about this player. I did some more research. I watched his highlights. Like he was so fast. He was so skilled. And then he had that world juniors and he uh, killed it there and won. When yes. Won it. Uh, uh, the goal. I forget. I think it was. Uh, I was, but you know, nevertheless, like he was just a stud player. So for him to get this opportunity now, uh, it's just it's awesome. It's awesome to see that he can actually be that type of guy. And uh, you know, him doing this only what has it been like a couple of games now, and his salary is is going through the roof as people are saying, oh, we got to pay him close to thirty million or whatever. So, yeah, no, it, it's been uh, interesting. It, it, you know what, too? It's it's yeah. it's kind of nice to watch him finally, you know, make the full roster, you know, mm-hmm. earn his stripes and really work his way up. Nothing was really given to this kid. Like, you know, 
Nylander aside, like he's you know he's earned it every step of the way. Even right. when he's made you know the the playoff appearances last spring, you know he was always an impactful player. Whenever the Leafs seem to have placed him into the roster, yeah. No, no, for sure. And uh, we can't forget about that. You know, like the the amount of success that has people have had with Neil with Austin Matthews. Uh, Nylander's, you know, no slouch. Like that guy has an NHL, uh, you know, elite release. Um, he's a hound on the puck when he wants to be, you know, yes. but a little bit too cocky for himself sometimes. Um, and he needs to have that wake up call. And I know, you know, Babcock has, you know, a short lease with him, right? Cause how many times last year was he on that line, off that line, on that line, off that line. And, yes. you know, Connor Brown, you know, I love Connor Brown. He's a great third line, third line guy, but he's no Nylander. He doesn't have that skill no. up there, right? Yeah. So it's it's you know we're waiting, we're crossing our fingers, hoping for Nylander to you know eventually sign and you know not hold off us anymore. You know, so yeah, yeah that's uh, you know that's that's definitely uh, we'll definitely touch on that a little bit later. But uh, yeah, you know, you know the early the early returns on the offense has been great. But I, I think that once the dog days of the NHL season really kick in, you know, having that addition of William Nylander on that roster kind of shifts everyone down a spot. Mm-hmm. Really gives the offense that, you know, when you look at the top four lines, that there's really a threat on every single line to score. So there's, he offers that depth where, you know, essentially the Leafs right now are clicking on two lines offensively. Uh, you know, Kadri still hasn't scored. Um, it would be kind of nice to see what happens when Nylander comes down. Maybe Captain gives, you know, Kadri that extra little boost, maybe those a couple extra open looks, and he starts going. But, you know, when, when everyone envisioned how this season was going to go, you know, it always included Nylander. Oh, so sure. it kind of, you know, it's definitely exciting to see how they've done without him. You know, let's just see what they do with him. And I, and I, I just think that it's just going to be, you know, a matchup, you know, a terrible matchup for any team that comes up against Toronto. Oh, yeah. Um, what line do you stop? So. Yeah. Well, the goal is to have those three lines like at a peak and firing at all cylinders, right? Like pick your poison. Yes. But yeah, you honestly think that Nylander is going to like he say he signs this week, right? Or say he signs before a Saturday and he plays Saturday. You think he's going to play immediately with Matthews? I don't think so. I I, I think he, I think he's going to have to earn his way back up in the I, roster. I think he might start off with Kadri. Um, but mm-hmm. at the same token, you know what? You know, we're going to get, you know, definitely explore this a little bit further, but it's definitely the business of hockey. And I think that, you know, no one can actually, you know, overlook that. Um, You know, everyone's going through their process. You know, Goudreau held out for a bit. You know, a lot of key players now have held out. So, you know, I'm I'm hoping overall that Leafs Nation management and coaching staff, you know, will kind of ease Neander back in because he is at the end of the day a very important and pivotal piece. You know, when we when we imagine what this team's gonna look like in the playoffs, yeah, you know, he's he's definitely that that extra piece that this team really needs to make that additional jump. Um, you know, but uh, you know, getting back to the 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 offensive numbers, like we have Morgan Riley setting you know NHL and franchise records, Austin Matthews setting NHL and franchise records. It's just you know, it's it's been a very fun you know fun you know couple of, you know first seven games. Anyways, you know, what are your thoughts on those two players? Um, well, you know what? Let's look at Morgan right now. Uh, what does he have? He has seven games played. He has three goals, 10 assists. Almost all those assists are on the power play as well. Um, but he just looks like he has another step to him. Uh, you know, and, and it might be this, this might be the number, you know, top two pairing guy that we've been looking for. And he just needed to become and, and, you know, 
get into his own. You know, he has yeah. to score points. I think he had 52 points last year. The guy can yes. skate. The guy is smart when, it, when he's about pinching. His defensive, uh, his defensive capabilities still need to, you know, need to be a little bit more well-rounded. Uh, yes. But, you know, this guy could be the stud guy that, that we have been searching for to trade for that will cost yes. him permanently. And to have yes. already blossoming into what? This is, might be his, what, fifth or sixth year in the league? It takes about time for those defensemen to really reach, you know, somewhat of their potential. And remember yes. the day when, uh, when Brian Burke actually drafted Morgan Riley fifth. He goes, out of all the players in the draft, I would have still selected this guy first overall. And if you look back at the draft, I think it was the um, – Oh my God, uh, Neil Yakupov draft first overall. So yes. already, like if you go through the first two, first four picks there, like he he is I might be the best player right now from that draft uh, in that top echelon area. So you know I'm, we're happy that Morgan's becoming this. I want to see how this progresses. Um, but uh, yeah, what do you think? You know what it's it's been you know it's been a really interesting progression for him. You know, he kind of stuck through a couple really rough years, you know, and then the rebuild. Um, so to kind of see him, you know, m- create his own little path uh, to success. And, you know, a lot can be said about Ron Hainsey and his age and, and you know, where he ends up by the end of the year. Um, but having that steady teammate, uh, that veteran presence with Morgan Riley, I think really allows him to settle down, mm-hmm. um, play his game. You know, Ron Hainsey isn't going to tear up the ice, so... You know, Hainsey generally sits back, allows Morgan, you know, to be that freewheeling defenseman that, you know, when everyone envisioned him, when we saw those highlights from Junior, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's exactly who we saw, right? So it's it's nice to kind of see a defenseman, you know, reach that potential. And, and we still don't know what that ceiling, ceiling is with Morgan. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, where things shake up, you know, by the end of the year. You know, is he still in the Norris Trophy, you know, considerations? And you know, at, at this pace, you know, he's, he's really making a name for himself around the league and not just in Toronto. You need, you need that type of person, especially if he's going to be in that top pairing, to eat up minutes galore, like big-time minutes, right? Like you look at any real Stanley Cup, you know, heavy team and those people that – those teams that go, you know, deep into the playoffs. Like despite those Pittsburgh teams without Latang and whatnot, but like they always had a horse on the back end. Yes, up exactly. Three to 30 minutes. And that's somebody you got to rely on not only to produce – you know, get the puck out of the zone, first passes and whatnot like that. But this guy needs to play a, a sound defensive game. And yes. it, there's no sugarcoating. Like our defense is not elite caliber, um, but you're hoping that they can mesh together and play as a unit so that, you know, we can reach the ultimate goal. Right. Yes. But you got to remember, Pat, like these players right now, um, you know, you look at those bottom four or whatever, they're, they're just placeholders. And I even think Jake Gardner, to a degree, and, and is a placeholder until Lilligren's ready, until Sandine is ready. Um, and then, you know, look at those players now. Now it's, yeah. now we have some elite talent there uh, that yeah. they can play with Matthews and Nylander and Marner for the next six, seven years and develop. And now that's scary. Yes. And, and too, like, you know what, let's, let's not forget Travis Durman. You know, he made the immediate yes. Yes. impact. And, you know, he's playing with Ajaganov, which, you know, they've been a fair, you know, for two young players coming into their own, you know, yeah. it's it's Dermot's first full year. It's Ozyganov's obviously his first year in the NHL. And they've been that quiet pairing. And what I've always believed in and what I've always taken from all my days from following junior hockey is it's when you don't notice a defenseman when you know that they're doing the job correctly. Mm-hmm. I find what, like, and, and I think that brings us back to Jake Gardner, like you had mentioned. Jake Gardner, you notice. 
And a lot of times we notice him not necessarily for all the best of reasons. You know, he does have those offensive players. He can carry the park, you know, the puck like no other. But you notice him. Whereas, you know, with Thurman, with Ajaganov, you don't notice them as much. Mm. And I've actually come to really enjoy their game. It's it's clean. It's quiet. It's it's simple. You know, they get the puck off the boards and it's out. Yeah. Um, and I, you know what, I, I definitely, I'm a huge believer in Travis Thurman. And, and I, you know, I, I is he going to be a Morgan Riley or, or what can he be? It's hard to tell. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm very eager. I've watched him through his time with the Marlies, you know, watched some of his tape from his junior days. There's a player there, and you know what? If if we're you know if we're talking about reaching potential, we have no better coach than Mike Babcock to really extract you know as much potential and you know that, as we can from each individual player. So you know, and my big belief under the coach, anyways, is you know if you can't make it under Mike Babcock, who can you make it under? Well, you know, Babcock has his he's set in his ways as well, right? Like he's kind of old school, and you, you kind of feel for those those players that got, you know, put into his doghouse, like, you know, God bless. Thank God Lebo's back here. He's doing something, but you know, he, he might get pushed out. You know, he's not killing. He's not, you know, really defining what he needs to be. And, and that's what Backhawk really wants, right? He wants reliable people that can come in and do the job every single day. That's why Connor Carrick is no longer on this team. Right. But when, when Dermot came up last year, the guy was just energy, you know, he would yeah. skate his, off and he would just you know be part of the the play and you notice him for the good things and then you look at someone like a jay garner where you see his great skill his his skating ability his his puck movement but then he'll do something absolutely crazy <laughs> been in front of the net and and that's what it is it's his egregious mistakes that exactly the net and then we're going to remember that but yes. for those guys when like uh Oshiganoff and and like they're quiet you know, he's, he's still obviously adjusting. He can't even speak, you know, English properly yet. So there's, there's an adjustment period for him. And, and you can tell it's a little bit quick right now uh, for him. But again, that's just him, you know, realizing that, you know, it's a smaller ice surface compared to him and when he was in Europe and whatnot. So, yes. you know, I like him. He has size and he has a little bit of grit as well. Um, and that's something that our back end is definitely, uh, you know, missing there. Especially exactly. <laughs> You know what? He's a younger, you know, maybe he even has some extra wheels. You know, I, I know that there was a time where a lot of people were big Roman Polak fans. So if Ojeganov can, you know, be that reliable go-to younger version of Polak, you know, we definitely have a player on our hands that, that could really, you know, offer some value in that shutdown role. Yeah, well, think about it. Is there any other defenseman in your mind or even the Marlies that have that nasty streak that can be on the back end and still skate? Like, yeah, and you know what? Maybe an Andrew Nielsen, but that's on even on like the lower end, just based yeah. on you know my, my, me tracking the Marlies over the last couple seasons. I, I know you know Andrew Nielsen has worked on his skating the last little bit, but yeah, you know what? A dip. There's there's not much with size and bulk that can that, that can play that heavy game on yeah. the back end. Yeah, you want somebody that you know if you're front of the net, you're going to pay a price. Uh, yes, it's 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 tough to find that right now in the NHL, as well as having someone that can you know skate the puck out and, and join a rush and do that as well. Maybe, maybe I'm just thinking of a mythical creature here, but it was- <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We can, we can always hope for that unicorn, right? We yeah. can always hope for that one guy to come and just, you know, oh, yeah. woo us, but uh, he'll be a seventh, just, pick. He'll be a seventh round pick that we, we grab. That will happen. That, that's what I'm dreaming for. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, you know, speaking of, you know, Austin Matthews has just come out of the gates, just on fire. Yeah. Um, you know, early reports was, you know, he was working, you know, on, on his shot and, and, you know, 
you know, picking up some extra speed. And it seems that all that hard work over the course of summer seems to be paying off right off the bat. Um, he looks bigger, looks stronger. He looks hella faster than I've ever seen oh, yeah. him, you know, even over his last, you know, even over his first two seasons. And the shot, uh, it seems to have a little extra power to it. It's it's crisper. He even masks it better. Uh, you know, I've you know, just some of the goals that he scored. I think it was the one against Chicago where it was just on a stick, off a stick, in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. And it, he's definitely trending in a direction that I don't think a lot of people would have imagined. And now he's in that conversation with a McDavid. You know, it, there's been a lot of, of development just in, in, in that kid's game as well. It's funny. I remember reading something, and, and you know, obviously Matthews was working on his skating and whatnot, like you were saying. But he was he was he he really wanted to be something similar like Mitch Marner or Nylander when it came to their elusiveness. You know, they're smaller players, right? So it comes natural to them to be quick on their edges and to, you know, move in those lateral movements a little bit better. And for a big boy like Austin Matthews, what is he, 6'3", 220, whatever. And he, and for him to work on that and his skating ability to get into those elusive areas and move quickly and quick cuts, that's lethal. Like that, that's yeah. one that is going to be elite, elite. And we already see this, you know, like forget about the 16 points or whatever. It's it's the all, all the other stuff around the puck that he's doing as well. Um, he's making everyone around him better. Um, he's leading by example when it comes to that power play on his off wing. That he's coming in, and he's just—I think he's ready for the captaincy. That's what I'm—that's what I'm going to throw. Yeah, you know what I—I, you know what I've my 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 strongest belief is is once he signs his his you know his deal, Mm -hmm. you know the C's definitely going on you know on that jersey, you know, and it's not that it's not a knock against John Tavares, um, but when we're looking at the bigger picture, long term vision of the Maple Leafs, you know, there's there's no there's no bigger face and no prominent face like Austin's. Um, You know, he's that quiet leader on the ice. You know, he's not ruffling any feathers and he just produces, um, you know, at a a rate that, you know what, there's not going to be many leaf records that this kid won't break. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how everything shakes out in the end of his career. But when you look at, you know, even a lot of Matt Sundin's records, like how how quickly is he going to, you know, get to those and break those records? And it's, he's just been a marvel to watch from a kid from Arizona who, you know, Took a, you know the the most unlikeliest path to the NHL by you know choosing to play in Europe as opposed to you know the traditional routes either in you know, university or or the OH or the Canadian Hockey League. So it's just been an, an amazing amazing transition from from first year even to the third year, um, and it's just been amazing. It's uh, it's something that we're really bl- blessed here in Toronto to have. Like we had our, our our rebuild, and you know there there will be pain as Babcock would say, but. <laughs> Once we had that opportunity to you know, draft a Mitch Marner, draft a Nylander, and then land this lottery pick, Austin Matthews, you knew it wasn't going to take that long, right? And, and every day we have this privilege to watch this, you know, Marvel do what he does. And he did take that unorthodox way of coming to the NHL. And on his pace right now, he's three years in. He looks special. He looks, he looks uh, determined to, to break barriers, break goals, and could potentially, I know it's early, but could potentially <laughs> the greatest leaf of all time. Um, obviously, that hinders on the amount of you know, success he comes with his teams. Um, I have no doubt this, this leaf team in the next five years will win a cup, maybe multiple cups. Um, I'm getting giddy just thinking about that. <laughs> How many times have we talked about, you know, the what it could be? What, what could be? Like. Exactly. It's the, it's the what could be. And that's something that Leafs Nation really hasn't experienced. And and even during the years of, you know, Matt Sundin and the Gary Roberts, 
it, you know, when you look back on it, it, it looked like it was always at that finite amount of time. Like that window seemed yeah. is either this year or it was going to be bust. And yeah. and even in '93, you know, the Leafs went on a couple decent runs with, you know, with the Gilmore '93. Yeah. And even that window seemed kind of short. Yeah. But there's there's something about this. Like it's you feel it, the energy around the team, the energy of you know from the city, the fans, and even just looking at the youth, like who's driving the success. Yep. You know, and knowing you know how long and how big of that that window is going to be, is it, it does it, it does really breed hope back into a fan base that you know kind of lost it for a few years. Well, you know, you and I never lost it. We watched it no matter what, right? We're the diehards, so we made sure that we we turned on uh, the. Least we were definitely a glutton for punishment yeah. during those uh, paper bag days and the the, uh, uh, the waffle days and the waffle days and the the, the tossing of the jersey days and you know it's it's crazy. We won't be seeing any jerseys tossed on the ice anytime soon. So, sure, but uh, but yeah, no, I'm excited about that. And um, you know, having John Tavares now, you know, that was. When he signed, I had a little tear in my eye. I'm just like, "Hey, this is possible now. This is this is now going to happen." And uh, you know, signing him for as long as we did, and like what like what you touched upon before, like our players, our young core, they they are young, you know. So when we lost to Boston last year, okay, a collapse, blah 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 blah, right? But it it didn't feel like you know the end of the world in 2013. It was more of, all right. You know what's funny? Our best players are 20 years old. We got another seven to eight to 10 years of this. So I'm good, right? Yes. But so that's what made, like, I, I feel great about where this team is going, uh, the depth that it has. Um, you know, you look at these contracts that they're going to spend or, or pay, um, you know, kind of worries. But you think about it. You have Austin Matthews. You have John Tavares. You have Mitch Marner. You have Nylander locked up. We'll say they are locked up for the sake. And that's your first two lines. So your first top six forwards within those two lines, like they're set for the next seven years. Uh, How hard is that to replicate in any one of these, any, any NHL teams for that amount of time. So be giddy about it because top six were good. And, you know, that's where we start plugging and playing the rest of the other bottom, bottom six uh, type forwards and whatnot. But again, in order to get that, you know, success maintained, you got to find those young gem, uh, young gem players that can be slotted in as well as on defense, right? Yes. And you know what? Funny enough, we were talking about Saturday and we quickly touched on the, you know, the William Nylander contract situation and you and I off air kind of had that little back and forth. And, um, you know, I kind of want to breach that, you know, news broke today that Kyle Dubas flew out to Switzerland to meet with William Nylander and his agent. Yep. You know, what are your thoughts on his, you know, on his holdout and, and, you know, where do you see this going? Um, well, the reported amount was eight million. Uh, Nylander maybe one day can be worth eight million. Not worth eight million uh, <laughs> right now. Uh, you know, you put him in the same realm as you know as an Ehlers or a Pasternak who is making I think six point seven, six point three, whatever it is. He's not better today uh, based on those players. He's just not. And if he thinks he's going to hold out for eight million, it's not going to happen on this team. You can make eight million in the NHL, but it won't be with the Leafs. And it all depends. Like I was, I was reading something today, and you know, a Carolina photo popped up, right? And he goes, "Hey, you need liner. If you want eight million, you can play with Carolina." And the arena was pretty much empty. So you know, you want to play? Is it? Is it? Are you just doing it for the money, or do you want to be part of something special? So for me, as a fan, um, you know, kind of, 
kind of upsets me a bit saying, you know, he doesn't want to be part of this Southern special. It's just money. Like, are you kidding me for an extra 2 million, whatever I understand over a period of time, it adds up, but you're going to make your money other, other, you know, other ways, you know, endorsements. So, you know, I think he's, I think he's going to sign something more of a bridge deal where it's more to three to four years, he, you know, five to 6 million in between so that, after his ability or after his RFA status, whatever gives up. And after that contract, he reaches that certain age of, I think 27 or 28 to become a UFA, you know, he can do his thing because hopefully he wins a couple of cups and, you know, he can do his thing that makes him happy and make more money than 8 million after that. See, I, you know what I've always been, I, I was always from the team's perspective, you know, a player shouldn't ask for a certain amount or why is a player being greedy? Um, but I've kind of, I found that I've, mentally kind of shifted in, in my thoughts and in my opinions when it comes around this, um, you know, players, you know, the length of the contract is one that, you know, we're asking, a, you know, a 20 something kid to make essentially a life decision. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause in the nature of hockey, you know, by the time you're 27, 28, you're kind of considered the state cells, you know, the NHL, you know, older, some of the older, you're on the older side of things. Um, you know, the league seems to be getting younger um, a lot can happen over those, you know, six to seven years of his contract as well. And, you know, one of the, the points that I made up to, you know, off air was, you know, he could in year two, year three, find himself earning less than someone that's producing less than him only because over that course of that contract, the cap's gone up. You know, Seattle's now coming into the league, so the cap's going to go up, you know, when, when they enter into the NHL. So why um, a bridge? Why not do something a little shorter instead of doing seven or eight million and locking yourself in at six or six five, right? Uh, that that makes more sense to me for him to do that. From a team's perspective, the bridge deal is terrible. Only from the fact that you know it means you're going to have to sign this kid for another big contract. You know, I think they like the stability when it comes to the cap ramifications to know what they're going to be paying him over the long term. I think both player and team want it to be a long-term deal. Um, and like I said, like for Not me, I would, I would be happily see him get paid seven to 7.5. Um, but I, I, you know, and, and I've made this other argument elsewhere as well is, you know, from a player's perspective, let's just say, you know, a player signs for 6 million today. I would, I would even be willing to, you know, from a player's perspective, have my contract reopened and renegotiated where, you know, over the course of, the contract, he, his value to what he brings overall in the overall picture of the NHL in two to three years when the cap's gone up, yeah, it, it could be huge. There's a huge difference. Like, you know, we're already looking at the McDavid deal and saying, well, the Oilers have got a fairly team-friendly deal with, mm. you know, the 12 and a half that they're paying, you know, McDavid. And, and, and that's the thing from a player's perspective when you're looking at your peers across the league that may not be producing, but only because of circumstance, like the cap going up, or maybe, you know, you're on a bottom feeder team that just needs to hit the cap floor, that, you know, the, the, your salary should be reflective of your performance. And that's something that, from a perspective, he definitely believes in himself. I think a lot of his fans believe in him. Um, I think when we, you know, came into the season, we envisioned him on that line with Matthews and, and you know, what that could bring, you know, in year three of both of their careers. Um, you know, there's a lot to be said about even just the player protecting himself from, you know, potential injury. And like I said, like a lot of these, you know, a lot of these guys, by the time they get to 26, 27, you know, even 28, they're not looking at that next really big contract. Like, I think the Leafs had to, you know, tack on a couple extra years just to get Tavares to sign. But like, you know, seven years when he's 20, 27, you know, we, we, we probably get two or three good years out of John. 
But then as he gets older and the NHL gets younger, you know, are we going to regret those final three to four years on Tavares' contract? I think, right? I think I, you make a great point, but I think those final three to four years are irrelevant if we have cups. Uh, I got to be honest with you because I. But that could mean. That could mean a definite long drought after hey, if this team and, and, and that's the other thing. Cups. And that actually we have cups. I'm happy. We've gone how many years now without cups? My entire life. I you know what? But but from, once again though, from a player's perspective, the way I look at it is is nothing's guaranteed in the NHL. Mm-hmm. You he could take a he could take a pay cut for the sake of winning the cup and never how many you know, how many NHL greats do we see make it to the hockey hall of fame and don't have a Stanley Cup ring? Yeah. You know, and to, to put it on the player that if you don't take it, we're not going to win is kind of disingenuous when even the president, you know, Brandon Shanahan never took a pay cut when he was Nylander's age, maybe took one at the latter part of his career, to, you know, when he went on that run with the Detroit Red Wings, but never took it. You know, I, I think he even jumped teams because back then, you know, a player could have become a well, UFA a lot signed, younger. Uh, signed an offer sheet, right? Signed an offer sheet with St. Louis and then it would have to be matched. I believe exactly. That. So there was, you know, like like I know that there was some contract issues, you know, during, you know, when Brandon Shanahan was 21. So for me, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I think it really, I think at that point, you kind of saw the fan base on a larger scale shift against the player. Mm -hmm. And we have to always remember this guy's coming back. Like one way or another, he's coming. Um, You know, we just have to figure out, you know, the best situation, keep things, you know, as calm and as and, and keep perspective. Because when he comes back, do we really want his first game fans booing? Like, that's, there's real prospects that that there. might happen. I don't think it's there yet where, you know, the fans will be hate, like, turn toward, turn against Nylander. Like, I think there's still hope that, you know, he comes back. But again, he, unless he signs for something that makes sense for the team, it's not going to happen. And we got to remember as Leaf fans, you know, as, you know, the team comes first, right? So, we like take a look at John Tavares's old contract. So he 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 took something, I think it was like five years at six million, way under what he was worth even then. And he did it for the sake of the team in order to be a team where he could put players around them, you know, to be better. And he took faith in that and he made less. But then after that contract was up, which was four to five years, he made his money. So that's what I'm thinking is the best type of solution, you know, that would be set today for a Nyland. You know, okay. But but John Tavares took a pay cut and never won a Stanley Cup. Heck, barely made the playoffs. I, That's the risk in the NHL with the parity that we're essentially asking a twenty. We're essentially asking a twenty-one year old like young man to gamble on his team. And it's like we have guaranteed money here, but just in the likelihood that we want to win, or you know, I I I just find that to put it on one player and 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 I don't see and. and what kind of upsets me with this Nylander situation as well is, would they be acting this way with Matthews? I think I think they're going to go to Matthews and Marner the exact same way and say, listen, we have a plan of how much everybody's going to make. And then this is the only way we're going to be able to keep all of you together. If you guys want to play together and win multiple cups, because this team can. Based but on- we don't know. Like and sure. Winning a Stanley that's Cup is, 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 is one of the most unlikely, or like, it, it's still chance. You still, at the end of the day, it's one in 32 you know, your goalie could get injured. Yeah. The stadium's roof could collapse. Like, there's this, and obviously I've gone to the, you know, ultra extreme when it comes to, you know, this team winning. I mean, I'm just as excited and I'm just as hopeful. But when it comes to talking contract, it's guaranteed. It's like, give me the guarantee. And 
you know, is it really fair to put it on Matthews to take a pay cut? And let's be honest, as much as, you know, we all like the John Tavares signing and, you know, he, he offers, mm-hmm. you know, this extra depth in offense. We knew the contract situation of Marner, Nylander, oh, yeah. and Matthews, and we just complicated it that much further, for essentially. Sure. For sure. But, you know, at right? the end of the day, so that's, when you're in any... So, so essentially, we're, we're, we're asking... So management's like, well, we may have made a mistake, or we, we, we now have paid to bring this player in. Now everyone's taking a pay cut. I'm not sure if I'm an agent and if I'm a player, if I'm willing to give that much of a shave off my contract. And call me like I, you know, I, I've had some call me selfish, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you know what? The player needs to look out for themselves. You know, when they're injured or when they retire, you know, are they going to look back at their career and say, you know what, I earned less and I still didn't win a cup? You know, there's a, there's so many factors that go into it that to just to put it and say, hey. Because when we go down that route where it's, you know, if you take a pay cut, we're going to win a Stanley Cup. That's almost saying it's 100%. Yeah, but but you, in order to win that Stanley Cup, your team needs depth, right? So if you're being, if, there's only so many pieces of the pie that can go around. So if you're making a chunk of that pie, you're not going to get that extra type of player that you want to, to surround yourself. Now, we're talking about a collective together that they are taking a little bit less than they would in, India, in, in any other NHL type teams because you can see the potential of what this happens. Pat, these NHL players, what is their goal? Is their goal to make money? The objective is that you want to win that Stanley cup. Now you look out throughout this entire league, right? And go look at Tampa Bay. For example, you have players that have taken less to have other players put around them to have the ability to win cups, to have ability to win cups more than, you know, more than one cup within a long period of time. And, and that's and, what you hope for. You're not going to go to Carolina. Mind you, Carolina. You're not going to go to Arizona and say, "Okay, I'm making 16 million. I'm good." Because if that's the type of player you are, you don't want that player on your team. And that's- I, I think the business of hockey. You need to look at comparables, and even from like a player, like we're going to be going down this route very shortly with the NHL and the potential strike that's you know lingering and hanging over you know even you know over the next year to two years. You know, a lot of it's going to be player contract. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my biggest thing, and this just proves it, is the salary cap was brought in to help small market teams. The small market teams are still paying to the cap floor. You're punishing teams that have been successful with managing their rosters. And I'm not just, I hate when, I, when I talk about that, I'm not just saying Toronto. I'm saying, you know, back in like the 80s and the 90s, you know, to watch teams that that succeeded and drafted well and developed well and, and put all this money and all this infrastructure into building a successful program, you're punishing that success. And, you know, from, from a team's perspective, from an ownership's perspective, what, I think the Leafs made, what, 20% or 25% more than what they would regularly make per season as soon as the cap took effect? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if an owner can make money, because the players don't get paid in the playoffs outside of, you know, a bonus that gets divvied up. I think it's 500000 that gets divvied up over the 16 teams. Mm-hmm. So they barely get paid in the playoffs. They don't get paid in, in preseason. You know, like there's big chunks of the year, crucial chunks if you look at it strictly the playoffs, that players aren't really seeing a real salary. You know, so if a player wants that little bit of, of extra for themselves, you know, when everyone else is making money around them, mm-hmm. and like they, if Nylander, let's just say Nylander makes 7.5 or $8 million, how much of that really goes back to him? You know, he's got agents, he's got other fees, he's got lawyer fees, you know. All these players have, like, nutritionists and, and, and so many support staff around that player that, you know, he's, he needs to look out for himself. He's a 21-year-old kid. 
uh, that, you know, when you look at how many players actually make it to the NHL and then divide that by how many players actually get to his level of skill, there's a premium to be paid for success mm-hmm. for all that time, you know, all the, the long days and the travels and, but, but and everything that he naive. put in and invested himself before making it to the NHL. Yeah, but we can't be naive that that's the only income that that's coming in is their salary. Like somebody that's going to make eight million plus within this league will have endorsement deals all around them, regardless regardless of of, of the uh, environment that they're put in. You know, the city, the location, whatever. They're going to have that type of extra endorsements because of who they are, and they're making eight plus million or whatever it is. So Neiland already has something you know written up already with Buick, I believe. He already has something written up with uh, with um, Reebok. Or wherever it is, but you know he's gonna make his money outside of it. So if he can take a million and a half less, or whatever it is, to be on a winning team for many years, as opposed to going to a bottom feeder team and just you know it's he hasn't experienced that yet. You gotta remember that you know uh, you know you're in the hockey mecca of the world of Toronto. You know you're you're playing in front of passionate fans that you know like stay on hands and knees to hear what's happening with their hockey team. And, you know, it might change. Go to New Jersey. Go to the island. See how it is playing in front of those people. You know, it's different. It's very different. Go to Arizona. It's very different. Unless you're from there. It is. It is very different. And But like I said, you know, every player taking, you know, know, even like a million office contract doesn't necessarily guarantee a Stanley Cup. And I think, you know, and and I think, like I said, it goes back to, you know, Brandon Shannon's comments and Mm -hmm. how quickly people within the hockey world were like, I don't know about this guy, but he didn't take no pay cut. And, you know, like, like McLean mentioned on, on, you know, on Sportsnet the next day, uh, you know, during Hockey Central, you know, he was operating, you know, with an operating budget in Columbus for, I think he said, what, 20 or 30 mil? Yeah. Yet that Detroit Red Wings team that Shanahan on was on the tail end of his career was up to a $60 million, you know, operating just on salaries. So there wasn't too many people taking too many, you know, and then, and that's, and once again, though, it goes back. It speaks to the system, you know. We're we're punishing teams that were successful, and you know what? If if your management group can't build a hockey team, you know, it shouldn't be. And even too, like when you look at how, you know, even the money's been, you know, distributed around the league, and you know, profits are being distributed around the league. Mm-hmm. You know, if if a if a management team in Ottawa can't produce a winner, it shouldn't be on fans in Toronto, Chicago, L.A. Anaheim to prop up these organizations. Well, that's right. You know, I'm right. So that's what happens right now. So all those top earners get divvied up between Arizona and those lower ones. That's and that and, and that's the, and and you know what? It hasn't made any of those teams better. So to ask a player to to take a pay cut because we think it's going to somehow make you know be that golden ticket to the Stanley like, I I like I said my and it's not even against but you know it's never, it's even, and you said it, it's never guaranteed but don't you want the best chance of getting it that's what but, I, that's my point right that's the oh I, I I believe that I I believe that the team went into this with the idea that every player was going to take a pay cut oh yeah um, and they found someone that wasn't going to and that saw the value and 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 you know maybe it's his agent you know because you know when you look back at even his agent. You know, he's, he's had a couple losses when it comes to some of his other holdouts. Maybe this is his, you know, flag in the, you know, in the summit. And this is where he's going to, you know, make his career and, and really, you know, really stand firm on this. Because like I said, you know, we're asking a young man to commit seven years of his life. And over the course of those seven years, that salaries could become undervalued very quickly. Well, this, uh, 
this could be a massive storm here that was built, you know, that came together because that agent, like you said, he's had multiple holdouts. He was Johnny Goudreau's uh, agent, by the way. Uh, and there's multiple that he actually had people sit out for a couple games. So it's not his first rodeo when it comes to that. And Nylander's father has done this as well. So he always thought super highly of himself. This is Michael Nylander back in the day. And I, I believe I was reading a tweet from Bob McKenzie that <clears throat> he actually went back to the KHL and was holding out for a time to play there. He goes, whatever, this is what it is. And, and maybe that's why he's bounced to seven or eight or nine teams that Michael Nylander played on. Now, is this, I don't, I'm not saying Willie's like that, but he's influenced by these people that are telling him all this. And apparently what I was reading today, again, like when they're in Switzerland, like Michael Nylander's there and he's, you know, talking with his son part with Dubis in the same room and they're going to hash it out. So we'll see if he stays firm at eight, but for the benefit of the team and his ability, his best chance to win a cup, not nothing's guaranteed, but his best chance to win a cup. If it's the next three to four years or four to five years that he signs and it's not long-term, it's with the leaps. It is because he's not the best player. He's not the second best player. He's not the third best player. He's the fourth. And he could be the fifth because Morgan Riley could be more valuable to the team, but he's the fourth. And that's another discussion we can have, Pat, that is Nylander a core piece? Is Nylander that extra or, or is that main piece that we need in order to be successful for us to get over, us over the hump? Or is he just a, you know, a, a, an extra added piece like Phil Kessel should? I, you know what, when it comes to Nylander, and, and I know people get uber excited about, you know, the early returns on captain being on that Matthews line, over an 82-game season and into the playoffs, I'm more likely to put my, you know, my couple dollars or my two pennies on a Nylander than on a Kapanen. And, and I like Kapanen, but I think that there's a limit to Kapanen. And, I, I, and the thing with Nylander is there's that extra level. There's that chemistry that he has with Austin Matthews. There's the shot that he has, you know, there's that creativity to get Austin the puck. Um, and it, and uh, overall, he offers the team much more depth. And and let's just say, for like, I know the people's, you know, the big going thing is let's trade Nylander, um, you know, for a defenseman. But in a forward for a defenseman trade, you never get the value back, right? So that's where the issue that the Leafs are going to have is, who do they trade for Nylander? What do they get back? And is it really true value? Yeah. Because, you know, it's, you never, it, there's, yes, we can, you know, do the Seth Jones for the, you know, Ryan Johansson. And that was as pretty close to a hockey trade as you, as one could possibly get. Open. But is there a Seth Jones available? Is there someone that is comparable to Nylander on the defensive side of the puck that's available? We can throw names out, you know, we can put all the names of every top defenseman in the hat and just start drawing them. And, you know, we can say a name, but are they really available? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And, and, and that's the that's the hope for all Leaf fans that if you can't get him signed or, or even if you do get him signed for a, a lower amount that you trade him, he's your biggest trade piece. But what do you get? We, I, the, 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 you can only make a trade when it comes back. And you know what? Like I could throw you at the end of the day, if, if, if we've ever learned anything from Toronto is we've, we've, we jumped the gun we get too excited. We get too emotional and then judgment and perspective gets lost. And then you, we make a Nylander trade and, that return may not be guaranteed either. Yeah, but we haven't had you know, Kyle like, Dubas running the ship, so it's completely different. Everything's uh, calculated, so I trust this guy. You know, but what's available? We have to go. Like, my biggest thing is is who's available yeah. and what do you get? Like and Carolina, there's not many available. 
I know, but Carolina is a suitor. You know, people say Justin Falk or whatever, but I don't. But Justin, I don't, but Justin Falk's another Jake Garner. You yep. you know, I've watched just you know Justin Falk play, and if people are aggravated and get angry and and feel like they're white knuckling it every time Jake Gardner has a puck, yep. Justin Falk isn't that much better. No, I agree. So, but, so we can you know, and then do we try like a Ryan Ellis in Nashville? But is is Nashville trading a Ryan Ellis? You know, is you know, I've heard other people throw out Subban. Is Subban even available? And I know in the summer, you know, just before you know Eric Carlson got traded, you know, guys like Howard Berger, you know, were writing blog after blog about, you know, why don't the Leafs flip Nylander for Carlson? Mm. And once again, we're one year with Carlson. You've given up a Nylander, and you know, you've traded Nylander to not only a, you know, a divisional rival but a provincial rival. Mm. That you know, the Leafs and Ottawa just hate each other. And what if Carlson had decided? Let's just say, for example, we take that as a as as an option. We complete the trade. Carlson comes for one year and then lands in Tampa. So let's look at how how things shake out for the Leafs if that oh, was to happen. Ever have done? Carlson lands in Tampa, <laughs> Nylander in Ottawa, and the Leafs have what? Exactly. But I don't think Kyle Davis would ever be that stupid to do something like that because that just gives you the ability to. But the defenseman that they need, the package is big. And when I'm looking at some of the other names that have been tossed around, you could give up a captain or maybe bundle Lievo, a, a Connor Brown. And to be honest with you, the Leafs are really good. Do they really need their first round pick this year? Could they sacrifice it, you know, for the larger scheme of things and bundle it with a Brown, bundle it with a captain? You know, bundle it with one of their young defensemen okay. to bring someone that's in their early twenties that could grow alongside this team that may not have the same salary hit either. And that's the thing. Like when I'm looking at a defenseman, mm-hmm. I'm not trading our top echelon offensive guys. I'll go to that one B or even that you know that one C or even like a, that second tier for the Leafs because I think that's where you're going to get your true value in a hockey trade than you ever will by trading a Nylander. But no one's going to trade you a Darnell Nurse. No one's going to trade you a Brendan. Pesci, I think his name is from 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 uh, Carolina, without giving up top asset, and that's where Nylander is going to be that dang. But are, but are they but are they an equivalent long term? And the answer is no. And how? And it, so you you we fix one hole on the defense, mm-hmm. but you open one on the second. You know the second well the one B with Matthews because I do not believe and in, in good as much as I like Captain. Good without him right now, and you got other talent coming up. In the ranks, too. But we're seven. We're only seven games in. If if we're having this conversation in January and February, and Kapanen is still lighting it up, yeah. maybe I'm a little bit more amendable. We're seven games in, he needs the- and the season hasn't. Like teams are still figuring out their roster. Yeah. You know, even Montreal's competitive. Ottawa's been competitive, and and those are two teams that everyone thought were going to be bottom barrel teams. Mm-hmm. Like this, the, the league is still too fresh and too unsettled to even begin to think about. You know, making that large trade until you we really know, like, you know, how much better would Kadri be playing right now if he had a captain or a Nylander on his line and not some scrub? Yeah, no, for sure. And, and the hope is that, okay, if Nylander does come back, he goes with Matthews, everybody's happy. And maybe you keep a captain in there and you take, you know, my dad, Patrick Marlowe, and you put him on the third line because him and Kadri had, had, what's it called? They had chemistry last year. And that would kind of get them both going a bit. But I think that could, and that's potentially and, and, and that's kind of where when I envisioned the Leafs come April heading into the playoffs mm-hmm. was kind of how I saw the roster shake out. Um, and you know what, too, the Leafs will get a little bit of cap flexibility once, you know, Marlowe's contract comes off the books. And I don't believe the Leafs are going to sign Jake Gardner 
to, you know, a big ticket contract if he does resign in Toronto, you know, especially if he's looking at that six to seven million dollar range, you know, it's, you know, we have to look at something a little bit less expensive um, to replace him potentially. Um, so maybe there is some cap flexibility coming. You know, the cap next year looks like it's going to be going up once Seattle comes in. That might be going up. Yeah. And you know what? I'm really looking forward to seeing how, you know, the next contract negotiations works because the way the system is set up now is it, the team fails. They fail their players because we're like I said, you know, earlier on, we we're looking at McDavid's contract and we're going to be looking at that contract two, three, four years from now. Yes. And we and Edmonton asked this 20 year old kid or 21 year old kid. To, to then take un, an under... Like, can you imagine if some second-line player, because of the circumstance around when his contract comes, is making more than McDavid? And and that's something that, as a, uh, from a business perspective, if I'm going to be spending... I want to be spending on my top talent and not just out of circumstance. Well, they... they um, I think it was a percentage of the cap as to what McDavid signed on, right? And I think top players do that. They just don't, they're just not throwing out random numbers. It's, I'm going to take, you know, 21% of the cap and, and so forth. So back But in that's the day, at the cap at the signing, not cap over the course of the contract. Oh, like the salary doesn't, obviously. it doesn't grow along the, right? Like, but like that, McDavid but, at the uh, cap, I think when McDavid signed was what, maybe 72, 73 million or yeah. was it even 75? I, I don't remember what, I think, what's it at right now? 82? 80. No, it's still under 80s. Oh, still under 80s? Oh, so the dream- I believe I believe it's still under 80s or but maybe low 80s. When Crosby signed, he signed 8.7 million, you know? And he signed that back in the day when that cap was around that, you know, 60 I think 68 million I think it was, but that was a percentage of what the salary cap is. So he's still on that cap friendly deal now. But if exactly. And 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 that's the point, right? Like so that's where from a from a player's perspective, am I taking that much of a pay cut? And yeah, you know, we can say, you know what, the Penguins won the cup, but they also won the cup because of a lot of other things, not just salary. Like they managed, the, they, you know, they drafted well, they managed well, they made, you know, they made some pretty, you know, pretty good trades. You know, even the trade with the Leafs to bring out Kessel as a, you know, additional offense yep. and depth, like it worked out for them. And I think and essentially that worked out for both teams, you know, with Captain coming over. Um, so, you know what? Let's just see how things pan out. You know, I, I'm I'm still positive that Nylander will be in the blue and white before December first. Yep. And uh, you know what? The boys have given us a lot to cheer about and there's gonna be a lot more to talk about. So, you know, hopefully we'll have you back on and you know we'll pick up this conversation again. Hopefully you know, we'll be talking about how much Nylander's scoring and lighting up the lamp. Hey, like you know me, as, as a Leaf fan, you know, I'm happy to see this team excel and Nylander's going to be a part of the future. I, that's my hope. Um, and yeah, I'm pumped. I really had fun doing this. Most definitely. We'll, and we'll have you back on. Thanks again for joining Center Nation Podcast. And uh, thanks for everyone that's listening. And, you know, give us a quick follow on Twitter, Instagram, you know, on all your podcast channels. Thanks again, everyone. Bye. Yeah. Oh, you know, man. Oh, you know, man.